You're listening to Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. I think it's time for Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. This is Monday. This is where we focus on Scripture. We focus on what God's telling us in the Word and try to bring that as a theme for the week with which we do our work mm-hmm. in bringing you the world of the frontline gospel around the entire world. Thank you for joining me at the mics today. It's going to be an interesting and maybe difficult discussion, but God said literally start with this next chapter in mm-hmm. our study of Psalms. It's about the songs of ascent, which are a very specific and important part of the psalms that we use in our worship. Mm-hmm. Well, the songs of ascent are also called the songs for the journey to worship, and they were used in ancient times with the people who were on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem for certain events, for certain times of the year that they would go and meet in Jerusalem. The Psalms were written well before they were used in this capacity, but they're designed to remind people of each step going toward Jerusalem. And I love that they do this because it makes every day a different focus on their journey. They're not quite as long as some of the psalms that we've gone through. They're designed to be a little bit shorter so they can be repeated as songs. This is literally kind of like the worship choruses of ancient Israel. They would sing them as they walked along, kind of like a chant. Right. Think about militaries doing training. Mm -hmm. They would have some kind of, I'm right here, but so are you. And they'd have some kind (laughs) of sing-song. They would go back and forth saying, pay attention, get in rhythm with each other, be of the same mind for where you're going. I think that's what's going on in these psalms. And I'm realizing this morning that when we do these recordings, we take with us into the room everything that we're thinking and feeling before we even start. Right. And so it's not like we want to hang our lives up and put it on a peg and say, that doesn't count. We have to remember that we are informed by all of our feelings, all of our mm-hmm. thoughts, the things that preceded us going into the room before we focus on a scripture to teach from it. And that's the truth about all of us going into worship. We carry with us our entire life yeah. when we're going to worship with others. The psalmists are not unmindful of that. That's why they would reframe things. They would focus things, get our attention on something that's more important even than the things around you right now. Mm -hmm. In the world right now, there's a lot going on. And we're not going to tackle all those contemporary issues. But tell me, friends, as you're hearing the scriptures, we read it to you. If you don't think about what's going on in the world Mm -hmm. while we read this to you. Yeah. We've been reading from both the Passion and the Voice translations because they're both very contemporary and they're both very poetic, which is what these poems are supposed to be as poetry. We get them reduced to English in very dry ways in many translations. But we want to make sure we recapture the rhythm of the songs that are the Psalms. You're going to read from the Passion translations that we start right now. Psalm 120, entitled, God Helped Me. The Passion calls these a song of the stairway. I was desperate for you to help me in my struggles, and you did. So come and deliver me now from this treachery and false accusation. Oh, lying deceivers, don't you know what is your fate? You will be pierced through with condemnation and consumed with burning coals of fire. Why am I doomed to live as an alien scattered among these cruel savages? Am I destined to dwell in the darkened tents of desert nomads? For too long I've had to live among those who hate peace. I speak words of peace while they speak words of war, but they refuse to listen. Because it's so short, I'm going to go ahead and read this again right now in the voice translation. When I was in deep trouble, I called out to the Eternal, and he answered my call. I prayed, Protect me, Eternal, 
from lips that lie and tongues poisoned with deceit. Liars, what will be your prize? And what will come your way, O tongues poisoned with deceit? Here is what you can expect. Archer's arrows honed sharp as well as red-hot coals of the broomwood. Sorrow is mine, for I am a foreigner wandering in Meshach. I am a stranger drifting among the tents of Kedar. My soul has roamed much too long. Among people who despise peace, I ask for peace. But even as I open my mouth, they are ready to fight. I think we need to sit there on that one and just let that soak in a bit. Sometimes when you walk into a a fellowship ready to worship God and you think you're going to hear the truth and you're preparing your heart to be full of joy, you get slapped in the face by some news you weren't expecting when you walk into the church, and suddenly it reframes everything. Mm. You've, you've heard about a tragedy in your fellowship where someone died in a car accident. Some tragedy has befallen your congregation, and you didn't know it until you walked in the room that Sunday morning. Mm. I think that's happened to all of us sometime in our lives. The unexpected suddenly shows up. This song was sung by and repeated by worshipers ascending to Jerusalem for festivals for a thousand years, probably. There are many more years where the song existed, but the people themselves did not. They were in exile. They were somewhere else. But this was a testimony of those who were willing to come worship the true God. They expected God to stand for them and to protect them on their way to doing God's work. This was not about just general safety and security. This is about God, you have called us. You've demanded of us. We go worship you in this place. So if we're going, be aware of what we are going through on our way to worship you. Be vigilant so we can go to rest Mm. in you. That's the appeal. And it was a song that was sung on the way up very dark valleys on the way to the top of the hill. And when people would ascend to Jerusalem, it wasn't just like driving your car 70 miles an hour, parking in a parking lot and going up an escalator. Right. These people would literally walk up from the depths of the Dead Sea on the east side up to about 3,000 feet of elevation in Jerusalem, 1,000 feet below sea level to 3,000 feet above sea level. That was a pretty hard walk for anybody, Mm -hmm. much less a family we'd traveling together. And there were robbers lurking in deep crevices, waiting to spring upon those who were going to be unsuspecting victims that didn't know the territory. There were dangers on the way to God's house. Mm -hmm. That's why when Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, He's talking about this kind of ascent. Right. There's a person who is walking along the road on his way up to, and that's when the Samaritan finds him in a ditch, mauled. And all the religious people on their way to do official religious business just pass him by, but it was the outcast that rescued him. We don't know what his business was, but everyone would assume, oh, you're coming up from Jericho to Jerusalem. Well, that's that road. We're talking about this kind of road in the psalm. Mm -hmm. So I think Jesus probably has in mind this kind of scenario. There are people out there ready to kill us, but we're on our way to your house. Yeah. Another visual that I get from reading this when it talks about, I'm a foreigner wandering in Meshach and drifting among the tents of Kedar. Those are desert places. Mm -hmm. Both of those, they're in opposite ends of the country, but they're both very desert places. And he's talking about, I'm a foreigner here. I'm I'm not in my home and I'm going home. I'm on my way there. And sometimes we feel that way in our own lives. Even where we live. Yeah. We are foreigners. We feel as though we have no solid place to stand because he's talking about nomads wandering around and feeling like he doesn't have purpose, but he's focused going up 
to Jerusalem. It's also a reframing for people who may feel very comfortable where they are. The song is saying, remember that you are mm. a foreigner in a foreign land in one sense. Yeah. You've taken the land, you've inhabited it to different degrees of control. You know, like some of these tribes really never got full control of their territories as given to them by Moses. Mm -hmm. Others were very secure. But no matter where you come from, remember that compared to going to your true home, which is in God's house, where you live, where you are feeling comfortable, is like living in the desert with roaming nomads compared to this. These songs are meant to remind us that in every generation, we can't just be satisfied either with where we come from. We have to make an effort to go the distance to be with God where he is. This reminded me of a Petra song way back in the day. Those of you who are older than 40 might <laughs> get this, but it was a popular song from an album called Not of This World. Mm. And they talked about being aliens in a foreign land and being not of this world. We are made for something better. And this psalm reminded me of that song because I feel like when I'm reading this, there's something that I'm going toward. Not that I don't have good purpose here now on earth, right. but there is a place there is a rest. There is a time when I will be in true, 100% unencumbered worship. Where all things are good and there's no fear. There's right. no lack of joy. It's a very substantial thing, though, too. It's not like we're talking about being out of this world physically and having only spiritual things happening. Yeah. It's saying we could be immersed in it, that the worship of God is something that we sense with every sense we can have. Looking back even farther in Christian rock history, back to Larry Norman and only visiting this planet, yeah. <laughs> there was in the Jesus movement a sense of, you know, just get us out of the evil Lord, bring us to that perfect country. There are plenty of songs that talk about what it's going to be like when mm -hmm. and we have gone beyond the, the veil and there's no more suffering here on earth. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry. These are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. There is a place, there is a rest, there is a time when I will be in true, 100% unencumbered worship. Where all things are good and there's no fear, there's right. no lack of joy. It's a very substantial thing, though, too. It's not like we're talking about being out of this world physically and having only spiritual things happening. Yeah. It's saying we could be immersed in it, that the worship of God is something that we sense with every sense we can have. Looking back even farther in Christian rock history, back to Larry Norman and only visiting this planet, yeah. <laughs> there was in the Jesus movement a sense of, you know, just get us out of the evil Lord, bring us to that perfect country. There are plenty of songs that talk about what it's going to be like when mm -hmm. and we have gone beyond the, the veil and there's no more suffering here on earth. There's plenty of aspiration to a spiritual realm which is devoid of any suffering. 
But it was, I think, a lot more visceral for the Israelites who were in the Holy Land over all those thousands of years. Their aspiration was to make this place heaven on earth. Right. They wanted to be on the high places. And that's one of the reasons why when the high places went the way of cults, that it was such an abomination to God. It said, I'm the one that lifts you up to the high places. I own the mountains. And you want to worship a Molech and Baal on top of these peaks? Mm-hmm. I mean, this you can't top God trying to put all of your false worship up there. So there's this tension between the worldliness of, well, God hasn't done much for me lately. My crop mm-hmm. still failed. Let's try a different God. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for thousands of years, there's been that back and forth between faithfulness and unfaithfulness of purity of heart and absolute despicable wickedness. We're talking about humanity here, not just about Jews, right? Right. So you're called up to the high places because God said, I own this. Mm -hmm. This is where you're going to be able to look out across everything else. And the journey is difficult, but compared to where you're going spiritually in my house, everything else is pretty much the lowlands. Mm -hmm. No matter where you lived, it was a time of lifting your hearts up Mm -hmm. in worship on the way to the place where we would all worship together. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that this song starts the journey. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing that the singer says is, In my distress, I cry to the Lord that he may answer me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. So right off the bat, we're saying, okay, these are some issues that I have. I have lying lips and a deceitful tongue. Deliver me from that so that I can honestly come before you and worship in the way that you created me to do. And when you make an appeal like that, you're saying this is the biggest thing that we face. It's the biggest danger we face on this journey. Mm-hmm. He doesn't talk about the flying arrows of enemies yet. He starts with deceit. Mm-hmm. What is it like when you set out on a purpose for God that you know he's called you to do and you start hearing other opinions? Mm-hmm. You start hearing contrary ideas. You hear a lot of mockery against the thing you believe that God's put in your heart. What's it like for you when you start to doubt? I'm going to take a risk here and say that doubt is essential to the process of actually understanding who calls you. Mm -hmm. Because I don't believe that we walk into a journey and follow God and disregard everything in the world out there. I think we take all thoughts captive and say, okay, let's sort this out. By the Spirit of God, what is God saying in the circumstance? What is the world saying? What's the devil saying? And what is my own heart saying that may or may not be telling me the truth? Well, we know that in the New Testament, even the Apostle Peter and James talk about a deceitful tongue, a lying tongue. James talks about not being able to tame the tongue and how important it is to get our tongue under control. The psalmist is saying there are deadly arrows from Mm -hmm. the archer that are going to be aimed at that, and red-hot coals will be heaped on this deceitful mouth. So we can pretty much safely assume that God is not honored by a deceitful tongue. Yeah. And this singer is saying, remove that from me. We're using imagery of external threats, yep. but we're really talking, I think, to start with the internal struggle. Right. It's bringing to mind more of what work needs to be done in the heart to prepare for seeing mm-hmm. and meeting God where he is, mm-hmm. no matter what is going on in the world around us. So let's go back to that first scene I mentioned. You walk into church, you suddenly hear about this horrible tragedy, and suddenly it reframes everything that's happening inside the sanctuary that Sunday. Mm-hmm. You walk in there, and suddenly things are urgent. Your prayers are more focused. They're emotional prayers. Mm-hmm. You're praying for people that you know and you love, and something can't happen good until God deals with the situation. You feel like you can't go beyond what's happening right now. Right. So you pray differently. You don't just say, God, you're great, you're good, you're wonderful. Thanks for letting us come to your house. You start saying, God, 
Where are you right now? Our friend is in the hospital. Our dear friends have lost their child. Say something. Yeah. You know, our prayers are different. We scream at God to show up. And then if you have good worship leaders, good pastors, they will bring it around to say, okay, this is the word of the Lord to you now. I'm going to read to you from, and it's not a scripture they even planned on preaching from. Frankly, those are some of the most important moments ever in the life of a church. Absolutely. In the life of the church, they also have a life and a testimony in the world. As we wrap up today, let's just focus on the last few verses of this psalm. He talks about being a foreigner and being in sorrow. But then they turn a corner and say, I am for peace. Hmm. I seek peace. I want peace. I want to be part of the solution of war and bring peace to people. And he says that his soul has been roaming too long and these areas of war and torment. And it brings us back to focus about what God's purpose is. God's purpose is peace. God's in our pur- lives and in the world. Yeah. yeah. And God's purposes can be accomplished through men and women of peace. Yeah. We talk about finding men and women of peace when we travel and looking for those who are in the business, so to say, of bringing peace to difficult situations. Yeah, we're literally saying that. When we travel, we pray that God would put before us the man of peace or the woman of peace, someone who, by the look in their eye, you know that something important is going to happen here, and they're not afraid of you, Mm -hmm. and they're welcoming of you. And I can't tell you how many times in my travels that I've seen it. I mean, you walk into a town, and suddenly you know you made a connection because God makes it possible for you across cultures to make that emotional and spiritual connection with somebody that is going to amount to something important while you're there in that country. Yeah. But I would even go a step further and say that not only should we look for men and women of peace when we travel or in our daily lives, we should be men and women of peace. We have that mandate in us given through Jesus. Jesus was a man of peace. Jesus came to bring peace to the world. Yes and unity and love and show us a way to relate to the Father. And I would just encourage us to begin to do that, to begin to look for places that we can bring peace and the love of God. And I can think of a number of times where there seems to be contrary scriptures to that that Jesus said, where, no, I've come to drive enmity between husband and wife, father and child. They're always in discussions of those who are trying to drive you away from following me. Mm-hmm. You know, compared to the peace I offer you, everything else is war, really. Yeah. And you're always going to be in conflict. But in me, there is peace, for he is the peace of God. So obviously, the name of Jesus is not appearing in this psalm. But the Spirit of Christ is obviously right there. Mm-hmm. And it's calling us up to the place of peace, the city of peace. And that's where God is calling our hearts to even today. So I would say my particular thought to wrap up this first take on Psalm 120 is that against all times, this peace, this calling to peace, the calling to the city of peace, the calling to the house of peace in the temple is something that is calling to us now. Mm -hmm. And if you look around the world right now, you see war. The rhetoric of war is destructive. And when we are caught up in the rhetoric of war, wanting to see enemies destroyed and nations eliminated because that's what our heart feels right now. Those are not the songs that the Psalms are telling us to sing on the way to the house of peace, which is our sanctuary. For us, it's going to be our church facilities where we go to meet our family of God every week to worship together. For others, it's going to be cathedrals or temples in cities of renown. And even now in Jerusalem, the city of peace, 
people are going to the wailing wall to wail. Mm. These are still worships, but the calls from the Psalms are not to calls of war. They're not to justify our anger or our hatred or gin up some kind of angry, rageful, hateful thoughts and speech. It's all about turning our hearts and minds to the heart of God. Mm. So that's my parting thought for this first day. I don't think I have anything to add to that. I think just knowing that we are called to be peacemakers. Mm. Jesus specifically tells us, blessed are the peacemakers. That is our calling. That is where we find true rest and communion with God. And when you start hearing people say, what the problem is with that, and you hear all those contrary voices saying, this is not a time for peace. Friends, it is always a time for peace. And it starts in our hearts. So I would encourage you to ask God, what peace do you have for me today so that I can pursue you, I can see you, I can be with you in your temple, Mm -hmm. I can be present with you and not bring anger to a place where anger is not welcome. Amen to that. Notes on this study and a read-through of questions you might ask yourself according to the scripture is available on our website every week. So at CompassionRadio.com on today's podcast page, just look that up. That download link is available to you every week, and a repeat of this program is available to you to listen to or refer to friends anytime. We'd love to have you listen to it, and we'll see you tomorrow on the next Compassion Radio.
Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.